Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Welcome to episode 77 of The Storytellers with Michelle Cox, where she will mix mystery, romance, and a fizzy 1930s cocktail. It's a pleasure to have Michelle back at The Storytellers microphone. She is the author of multiple award-winning books with the Henrietta and Inspector Howard series. She also does a lovely weekly blog for Chicago's Forgotten Residents. She's well-recognized in many, many literary circles, and she's always got a million things going on. We'll talk about all of them, including what's next. Michelle, thank you for coming back to the Storyteller's Microphone. Well, thanks for having me. This is a fun, fun experience. Well, the reason I wanted you back, Michelle, was twofold. One is I've gotten very interested in series and why authors write series. So I want to start there and we'll get to the other one as well. But you have multiple books now with this wonderful series with Henrietta and Inspector Howard. I'm in love with Clive and <laughs> Henrietta. Um, I may, in all honesty, I may have fallen in love when you sent me over a year ago a chocolate bar with the book. Um, but tell me, how did you first find Henrietta and Clive or how did they find you? Good question. Well, thanks for those nice compliments. I think everyone's a little in love with Clive including me. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, Henrietta, it, it started pretty much with Henrietta. So when I was um, thinking about an idea for, it was actually supposed to just to be a one-off book. It wasn't supposed to be a series. And so I used to work in a nursing home and I um, used to hear all of these great stories from the residents. And um, that actually forms the basis of my blog, which you mentioned, I feature a different Chicago resident every week. And so her story, um, obviously that's not her real name, but her story really stood out to me. Um, she was this very spunky, vivacious woman who used to follow me around and tell me about her life. And she used to tell me that once upon a time she had a man-stopping body and a personality to go with it. So I just thought that was such a, a, a cool sort of attitude. And she had all of these incredible jobs in the city. And so I put all of those into the book and I had to invent Clive, of course. Um, so a lot of what happens in book one really did happen. The burlesque call, all of her jobs, the family, Stan, all of that. But um, I, of course, had to invent a murder to make it a mystery. And I had to invent the inspector. So uh, that's where it all started. And why mystery writing? <laughs> because um because I thought at the time I was super naive and didn't know anything about the industry and I thought that if I wrote a mystery that would be very attractive to agents um so I was a huge mystery fan as a kid and but not so much as an adult so I was really having to sort of reach back into um some of those old old mysteries that I read and um it was a little bit difficult, though, because, like I said, I thought that this was just going to be a one-off. I'm like, okay, I can write one mystery. I can do that. Because really, my my heart is with historical fiction. And um, 
then I decided to expand the whole thing into a series because I loved the character so much that I didn't want to let them go. And then I was a little bit panicked that now I had to write a mystery <laughs> series. But um, yeah, it has been a fun adventure and, you know, I think I've gotten the hang of it. So, but it, it definitely is the hardest part of every book for me is to craft the mystery because the character development and all these storylines that comes very easily to me, but having to make it all fit around a mystery and a whole set of clues, that's difficult but on the other hand, it's good because it gives the characters something to do. It helps move the plot forward, you know, and, and helps with the pacing. So, you know, so how, how many books are in the series now? Um, well, book six just came out in October, A Spying Eye. Um, book seven is scheduled to be released uh, next October, and that will end the series. So the series will end. That's it will. Oh my goodness. So let's talk a little bit about The Spy and I just out. I have not had the privilege of reading it yet. I've read a couple of excerpts. So tell us about this. Well, um, A Spy and I is uh, book six. And so Clive and Henry go back to Europe to try to rekindle their failed uh, original honeymoon. And while there, they get sort of caught up in the search for a missing panel of the Ghent altarpiece. And um, Hitler and his top men um, are also in search of this missing panel. And actually this, uh, that part is, is based on a, um, a true story. So Hitler really was after this panel. And what's exciting is that the missing panel, so there's 12 panels in this Ghent altarpiece. It weighs two tons and it's a triptych. So it folds in on itself and opens up and there's 12 panels and one of the panels was stolen well many times in the in the course of history but uh the latest uh theft was 1934 which fits nicely into the series and it is still missing to this day so that was a perfect crime uh to base the book on because um, it leaves room for speculation about what could have happened to this panel. It possibly could have passed through Clive and Henrietta's hands. And it gives the story a little bit more tension drama because it Hitler really was searching for it and all over the globe because he thought that it the, the piece as a whole contained a hidden map to these weapons of... Um, not mass destruction, obviously, but these weapons of superpower. So it, it's a it's a fascinating case. It's a fascinating um, art piece. So it it was a lot of fun to research and a lot of fun to sort of weave my story around that. It's one of the reasons I love talking to you and following you on social media is because of those <clears throat> rich pieces of research that you do that make your work so vibrant. And I may have just have answered my next question, but you know, <laughs> you, you, you write a series and none of your books are small. You know, your, your books are. I know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting your money's worth when you read a Michelle Cox book and they're so rich in detail. But how I have a two part question about how do you keep the stories fresh for your readers and how do you keep it fresh for yourself? Two very different questions, I think. Yeah, um, it, they might they might be similar, really. Um, 
I like to keep it fresh for the readers by, um, well, obviously there's a new mystery every time. And I also like to try to continue to develop Clive and Henrietta's relationship as the book goes along. But also, um, as you know, I have all of these subplots uh, running through the story. And I think that that really helps people to, to, to stay engaged. And, and actually a lot of readers write to me and say that they are following the Elsie storyline just as much as the Henry and Clive. And so uh, these last couple of books, because I'm trying to wrap up all of the storylines, um, which are many, um, there's, you know, they're a little bit longer and, and they do um, follow several of the characters at once and um, wrap it all together in an, in a nice big bow at the end. So hopefully um, people will be satisfied with the way everybody's storyline ends. But of course I had to set it up for, you know, a spinoff at some point. So. Well, I wanted to go there because when we spoke last, I was relatively new to the storytellers myself and was very interested in this concept of you spinning um, Elsie, I think it is, out, off. Um, is that going to happen or does she get tied up in a pretty bow as well? She gets tied up. Um, I, all along, I've always thought it was going to be Elsie who's the spinoff. But you know what? I think that I have exhausted her story. And so the spinoff and your readers are going to be, or your listeners are going to be the first to know is um, the spinoff is actually going to be Melody Merriweather, who is Elsie's college roommate. So Melody took over the role of the sort of comic relief in mm -hmm. the series. So the, in the first few books of the series, it was Stan the neighborhood boy who follows Henrietta around and thinks that he's in love with her. So he was always the comic relief. And then his storyline started to get a little bit darker and a little bit more involved. And so then I had to kind of switch to a new character. And that was Melody Merriweather, who is Elsie's very bubbly, vibrant um, best friend. And, and has um, the perfect name. Yes, right. And she, right, for that role. And she, her storyline has, has started to grow a little bit each book. And so in book seven, she, she has a full-fledged storyline and a nice um, ending chapter where she, you know, it'd be easy, an easy springboard. So Henrietta and Clive wrapping up, but we have lots to look forward to in Melody. Is this is what I'm hearing? Yes. Um, I'd love to do, um, it, in, I'd love to do a spinoff of her, but I was hesitant because um, I really don't want to do another mystery series, um, given the fact that it's not my super favorite. Um, but I'm like, I can't just do a historical fiction series. That's kind of hard to do as well. So it finally came to me that, and I, I never thought I would write this, but I am, I think it's going to be a historical romance series. And yeah, so I'm spinning her off into historical romance. And then I'm also, even before I do that, I think I'm going to uh, do another sort of departure and do a historical fantasy series. So that's the one I'm very excited about. <laughs> so I want to hear more about that. But you're, you're making my head a little bit explode as a storyteller. <laughs> um, do you have all of these like mapped out on a wall, uh, braided <laughs> together in a book, notes, post-it notes? Where is all of this in your head or not yeah, in, in your head? In my head. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the project for uh, 2023 or one of the projects is um, 
and it's to to seriously sit down and map these out before I even start writing because that is something I did not do with Henrietta and Clive, and I was just writing that by the seat of my pants. So um, I would come up with the the story for each book, and then you know kind of see where it went. And but I don't want to do that this time. I want to sort of have a big narrative arc. And I want to kind of know how many books are going to be in the series going into it and what what each book roughly is going to contain. So hopefully it will be an easier writing process when I get to that point. And um, also just just for my own sanity is to just kind of know what what the beginning and the end is unlike Clive and Henry, which I thought was going to go on forever. And then I'm like, um, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then you realize they were done. <laughs> yeah. um, so is, do you think that's an evolution of you as writer, as businesswoman? Where do you think that approach is? You mentioned um, sanity, which is always a good option, but. Well, you know, <clears throat> I think that, um, I think that, some people go on, like, look, Reese Bowen, who's one of my idols, um, you know, sh her series goes on and on. And part of that, I think, is is really admirable and something I wish I could do. But I think in order to do that and, and be able to do um, more than just a book a year, uh, you kind of have to have a more traditional series where it's just the same stock characters and they're just doing a different mystery or a different whatever each time. Mm -hmm. My the Henry and Clive books are so much, I think, more than that because they're um, they're these big character development things, and so they tend to get bigger and bigger each time, and more and more characters are trying to crowd into that. And I think that. If you sit down and have the story mapped out ahead of time, I think that there's a you can sort of prevent that. You can be a little bit more focused, and that's something that I'm I'm hoping to do. And also, I mean, there were other reasons for wanting to to stop the series at first. It, you know, when my publisher Brooke Warner suggested it, um, I was really hesitant to do that. But then I realized that, you know, I think this makes sense as on a writing level and a business level, because, um, you know, this was my first series and I learned a lot doing it. I think I, I made a lot of mistakes writing it. Um, and I, it, it would be good to start over with a blank slate and, you know, see where that goes. And also I think, it gives me an opportunity to try other projects and do other things or other types of marketing projects that I probably wouldn't have had time for if I would have just continued with this. So we'll well, you mentioned several things I want to follow up on. One is that I, I heard, I think you say you'd like to write more than one book a year. Did I hear that? Yes. Well, I have done that twice where I've, I've written a, a, a Clive and Henrietta book and a standalone novel. And those are, I do still have these two standalone novels and I will probably publish those independently as well at some point in, in the near future, but I have to figure out what I'm doing first. <laughs> so, yeah. So ambitious, which gets us to the other reason I wanted you on the show was you are perhaps, and I think all of us who are authors work so much harder than we thought we would need to, to uh, have an author presence to sell our, 
our wares. But you are perhaps the hardest working <laughs> author I know. And you just mentioned marketing. So talk a little bit about uh, your marketing. You mentioned you made some mistakes. Talk about some of your marketing successes, some of your marketing um, less than successes. You're on TikTok. <laughs> You're like the 1930s. You want a nice fizzy cocktail. You want to be sitting in the 1930s and you're on TikTok. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so, so talk to me about marketing and talk to me about the ups and downs of your personal marketing journey. Well, you know, I think that... Um, thanks, by the way, for saying I'm the hardest working. I don't know if that's true. I'm definitely... You mentioned sanity um, as well. So there's there's something there too. Um <laughs> You know, I, when I first started out, I, I would, was doing everything and just anything. I mean, the a local indie bookstore in a very wealthy suburb near me on Indie Author Day, when my first book came out, contacted me and said, oh, do you want to be a part of Indie Author Day at our bookstore? And I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. But the job they gave me was the door holder. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll take it, whatever. So, you know, I I feel like I any opportunity that has come along, I've done it, and um, which is great. I think that's important. But now, I feel like I have so many writing projects that I would like to do. So, um, the historical fantasy, the historical romance. I have two standalone novels that I'd like to to put out there. Um, I'd like to possibly start a subscription service, like a Patreon, where mm -hmm. people can subscribe to get um, more Clive and Henrietta. So it would just only be for subscribers. I would send mm -hmm. them chapters or I'd love to write an, um, like a prequel to the series or even advance the series by 10 years. So now it's the 40s and start the series all over again. So there's a, a lot out there. Um, I think it would also be fun to do like a direct to audio, um, sort of like a radio play. Um, that's mm -hmm. kind of a new thing coming out or that I've heard of. So I thought that would be fun to do too. So that means that I just simply do not have time for every marketing possibility that's out there. I'm trying to, to wrap my head around that for 2023. And just kind of look at things that have worked and things that haven't. I've decided to pretty much drop Twitter and LinkedIn and really focus my efforts on, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook. And, and now, as you mentioned, TikTok. Um, I did a TikTok challenge starting at the end of um, September, which was that you had to post three videos a day. And I managed to do that for two months. So that was <laughs> exhausting. <laughs> and I'm a little bit uh, <laughs> fried. I did, look at, I did look at your TikTok feed before our interview today. Um, <laughs> and it was impressive. Sorry yeah. for the silliness. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I think it's important. Uh, I think that it's also interesting how, you know, we evolve. I, I still do Twitter. I dropped LinkedIn. Um, but someone just told me, you know, I'm really missing the boat if I don't get back into LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know about you, but Facebook is much more um, my 
happy place than even Instagram. And, and Instagram for me runs up and down. I can be great for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden nobody loves me. So um, <laughs> how do you follow, you know, let's get to back to you and the focus that you share. How much time do you spend writing versus marketing now? Because I think that before it was a lot more marketing, a little bit less writing. Yeah, it was, it was, it's, and it's definitely still that way. Um, I'm just trying to get a little bit better handle on it. And I, I have like this weird um, type A schedule where I actually try to allot a certain amount of time for each, I call them departments. And um, I've tried, I've upped the writing from one hour to two a day. And then marketing, I'm trying to keep at about, three hours, um, not including social media. So that doesn't include social media. So um, I'm hoping to be able to stick to that schedule because otherwise it's just, you know, um, it's, it's too crazy. You know, I, 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 then I just go down deep rabbit holes and then I, I come back out of it and I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> I have to cook dinner or something. <laughs> cook dinner and get the kids home from school and home from know, work. Right. Michelle, our time always goes so quickly. I'm incredibly honored that you would come on the Storytellers, help us understand series a little bit better, and also the marketing perspective. So your next book is coming out next October, but in the meantime, they should look for the entire series, including Spy and I. Yes. Um, yes. On any any platform. Um, your, it's also at your local indie bookstore or at the library. And if you walk in and you can't find it, just ask them and they will order it for you. And also the series is out on audio. Awesome. Michelle Cox, I can't wait to see what's next, whether it's historical fantasy or a fizzy cocktail. <laughs> Thanks for being with me today. Thanks for having me, Grace. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.